Book Two, Chapter Seven of The Mermaid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rick Spangler. The Mermaid by Lily Dougal. Chapter Seven The Grave Lady. The hills of Cloud Island were a fair sight to see in the moonlight. When the traveller came close to them, the beach ended obviously in a sandy road which led up on the island. There was a small white wooden house near the beach. There was candlelight within, but Caius took no notice of it. The next building was a lighthouse, which stood three hundred yards farther on. The light looking seaward was not visible. He passed the distance swiftly, and no sooner were his feet level with the wall of the square wooden tower. Then he turned about on the soft, sandy road and faced the wind that had been racing with him and looked. The scene was all as he might have expected to see it, but there was no living creature in sight. He stood in the gale, bareheaded, looking, looking. He had no desire to enter the house. The sea-maid was not in sight, truly, but as long as he stood alone in the moonlight scene, he felt that her presence was with him. Then he remembered the dying man of whom he had been told, who lay in such need of his ministrations. The thought came with no binding sense of duty such as he had felt concerning the keeping of his vow. He would have scorned to do a dishonorable thing in the face of the uplifting charm of the nature around him, and, more especially, in the presence of his love. But what had nature in this, her beautiful child, to do with the tending of disease and death. Better let the man die. Better remain himself in the wholesome outside. He felt that he would put himself at variance with the companions of the last glorious hour if he attended to the dictates of this dolorous duty. Yet, because of a dull habit of duty he had, he turned in a minute and went into the house where he had been told he would receive guidance for the rest of his journey. He had no sooner knocked at the substantial door on the ground floor of the lighthouse than it was opened by a sallow-faced, kindly-looking old woman. She admitted him, as if he were an expected comer, into the large square room, in which a lamp and fire were burning. The room was exquisitely neat and clean, as if the inspector of lighthouses might be looked for at any moment. The woman, who was French, spoke a little English, and her French was of a sort which Caius could understand and answer. She placed a chair for him by the heated stove, asked where Mr. O'Shea and the cart had tarried, it listened with great interest to the brief account of the accident in the quicksand, and, without more delay, poured out hot strong coffee, which Caius drank out of a large bowl. "'Are you alone in the house?' asked Caius. The impression was strong upon him that he was in a place where people bore a dangerous or mysterious character. A woman to be alone, with open doors, must either be in league with those from whom danger might be feared, or must possess mysterious powers of self-defense. The woman assured him that she was alone and perfectly safe. She gave a kindly and careful glance at the traveler's boots, which had been wet, and brought him another pair. It was evident she knew who Caius was, and wherefore he had come to the island, and that her careful entertainment of him was prearranged. 
It was arranged, too, that she should pass to him on the patient, for whom his skill was chiefly desired that night as quickly as possible. She gave him only reasonable time to be warmed and fed, telling him the while what a good man this was who had lately been taken so very ill, what an excellent husband and father, how important his life was to the welfare of the community. For, said she, he is truly rather rich and very intelligent, so much so that some would say he was the friend of Madame Le Maitre. Her voice had a crescendo of vehemence up to this last name. Caius had his marching orders once more. His hostess went out with him to the moonlit road to point his way. She showed him where the road divided and which path to take, and said that he must then pass three houses and enter the fourth. She begged him with courteous authority to hasten. The houses were a good way apart. After half an hour's fast walking, Caius came to the appointed place. The house was large, of light-colored wood, shingled all over roof and sides, and the light and shades and the lapping of the shingles gave the soft effect almost as of feathers in the lesser light of night. It stood in a large compound of undulating grassy ground. The whole lower floor of this house was one room. In the middle of it, on a small pallet bedstead, lay the sick man. Beside him was a woman dressed in gray homespun, apparently his wife, and another woman who wore a dress not unlike that of a nun, a white cap being bandaged close round her forehead, cheeks, and chin. The nun-like dress gave her great dignity. She seemed to Caius, a strong-featured woman of large stature, apparently in early middle age. He was a good deal surprised when he found that this was Madame Le Maitre. He had no definite notion of her, but this certainly did not fulfill his idea. It was but the work of a short time to do all that could be done that night for the sick man, to leave the remedies that were to be used. It was now midnight, the hot stove in the room, causing reaction from strongly stimulating air, made him feel heavy with sleep. The nun-like lady, who had as yet said almost nothing to him, now touched him on the shoulder and beckoned him to follow her. She led him out into the night again, round the house and into a barn, on either side of which were tremendous bins of hay. "'Your house,' she said, "'is a long way from here, and you are very tired.' In the house there is the infection. Here she pointed him to the hay, and giving him a warm blanket, bade him good night. Caius shut the door, and found that the place was lit by dusky rays of moonlight that came through chinks in its walls. He climbed the ladder that reached to the top of the hay, and rolled himself and his blanket warmly in it. The barn was not too cold. The airiness of the walls was a relief to him after the infected room. Never had Couch felt more luxurious. End of chapter.